Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. And before this episode starts, I just want to remind you to please leave your comments for today's episode in the Spotify Q&A section down below. But also tweet Gary your feedback at Gary V and let him know what you thought about today's episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. A lot of people have been talking about capacity efficiency. You know, it's been a really interesting theme for the last several years of me trying to dissect what I see works in our organization and other organizations. Um, are there any common themes? And I, and I genuinely do believe that one of the things that hurts a lot of people is meetings run long and meetings have too many people in them. I think, you know, I think all of us are striving for good work cultures for our employees and there's a lot of things one can do but I really do think helping educate like the value of a two hour meeting with 21 people if that meeting happened to be you know 45 minutes with seven people miraculously a lot of hours are freed up for people to be able to achieve what they need to in a day and so just spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to eliminate anxiousness, lack of productivity, and I do think meetings is one of the big culprits out there. I mean, literally the meeting I had right before this was 15 minutes, but only took seven. You know, like I think, I do think a good 15 minute meeting, especially when you have capable executives, you can get right into it. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled for banter and jokes and I love all that stuff too, quite a bit. I probably am a culprit of making meetings go too long with a little bit of like the side dish or bringing some of the emotion to it. But yeah, no, I, I really like to get to the heart of the matter um, I think that's important and I think a lot of times, even in the context of our industry, sometimes the best ideas for a campaign or a marketing uh, execution sometimes happen within the first 30 minutes. I find a lot of fresh ideas or the first take or the intuition of the most capable creative people, I think they sometimes talk themselves out of stuff the longer they stay in stuff and so, yeah, I mean, I, it runs the gamut. You know, Garrett, I think one of the biggest elephants in the room in our industry is reach and frequency is something I believe in heavily as well. It's just that I think our industry speaks about reach and frequency as if it's actually being consumed, as if the reach is actually being consumed. My brain, Vayner's point of view, is that there's potential reach and there's actualized reach. And I believe that the Super Bowl is disproportionately the strongest actualized reach advertising that we have in America and so, Look, it's a huge ticket. You know, I don't, I don't laugh at $7 million or sneeze at it, but when you can get 100 million Americans to actually pay attention and actually consume it, you know, that's very different than the Oscars. That's very different than the NBA Finals. That's very different than anything you can do on digital. It's just, I feel like when you really get to the matter, and we're not robots yet. AI has not been implanted in us and all this other stuff. So we don't know the actualized consumption of all the reach that we do in all platforms. But I think everyone in our industry can absolutely agree that Super Bowl's actually being consumed. The problem is you have to make the creative land, right? The creative is still the variable. So you can blow it, but the media planning, the comms of it, the planning of the media, I think is the strongest in the industry. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm always in a tricky spot because I'm not watching at home. I'm usually at the game because I'm an avid football fan. So I didn't consume the commercials this year, but I thought the 2B commercial really caught my attention because I'm big on breaking patterns. 
I think it's, you know, this world is noisy, you know this. You, you and your contemporaries do such a great job covering this industry and you're taking in on a daily basis a trillion campaigns just on a daily basis. Think about what, how that plays out over the course of the year. So to break through to these 300 million Americans or even more importantly, 8 billion people global, it's hard. So I thought what they did was very clever because they played the utility of the whole thing. They shocked everyone, they made them stop and they made them pay attention. And I, you know, I think that's, that was really, really well done. And so that one kind of took the cake for me because it wasn't about like, oh cool, there's this cool actor in it or oh cool, that was funny or silly or emotional. It was functional and I thought that was very clever. The, the point I was making in that talk and, and really my overall passion of being in this industry is layering common sense against pricing, against actual consumer behavior. And so my point with print is, and listen, I was a heavy print advertiser in the late 90s, early 2000s. I would argue that print along with Google AdWords is how I built my dad's wine retail business. But when I look at what print is asking for full page ads and top publications today versus its current circulation versus the common sense of are people actually consuming that ad in the print format or are they consuming the information, um, I think it's a real challenge to justify the rates when you can be doing, I mean, I would argue outdoor is a stronger ROI even though a lot of people are looking at their phone in the car now and that's got its own challenges. Look, I'm not just blindly digital. I think a lot of digital advertising is really bad and overpriced. I think a lot of pre-roll, I think a lot of banner ads, I think a lot of the programmatic digital ads are just there to spray and pray and and disrupt and I don't believe they're being consumed. But I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not super fond of the costs associated with print ads as a whole, there's always places where you can find pockets of value. I think if you're really thinking about traditional means, I think drive time radio com- is, is a more interesting dollar spent and so, yeah, that's, that, that was the point I was making and, and it was also contextual. I was talking to an industry that spends a, quite a bit of money, a lot of money there and I think underspend in some of the contemporary social aspects where I think they would get more relevance and actual consumption. I look at Web3 a lot, I've I've done a lot of work in it, but I I don't believe that humans are in VR devices yet at any kind of scale that anybody in the ad age audience would be interested in. I think the ad age audience is a little over romantic about the past and values the past a little too much. Some group of us in Fortune 5000 marketing, Fortune 500 marketing, we get overzealous of the future and we do things in VR and things as such. And you know, our hypothesis is that there's an underestimation and an undervaluing of today. And I think today, it, you know, it's funny, sometimes I always, you know, I have a funny thing that I like dream up, what would I call the company? If, if I knew it better, when I called it VaynerMedia. <laughs> and one of the things I think about, I would call my agency is today, because I think I realize a lot of our growth over the last 13 years and what I think is making us sustainable and keeping our clients and what's working is we do have a deep obsession about today. Uh, I'll give you a good one that's probably on a lot of our minds. You can't imagine how many times, Garrett, a day I get text, emailed, or DM'd about what happens if TikTok gets banned. My answer is nothing and everything. What do I mean by that? We follow attention. If TikTok is banned, that's above my pay grade. That's you know a US government decision. We then realize the next day, you're talking about hundreds of millions of people's attention 
is gonna be reallocated. So what happens the next day? We triple down on shorts, we triple down on spotlight on Snap, we triple down on Instagram reels, we quadruple down on Facebook reels which we're finding a lot of winning with right now. So you know, to me, we focus on today, we keep an eye on tomorrow because we wanna be ready for AI at scale, we wanna be ready for VR at scale, we wanna be ready for AR at scale and then we challenge for a common sense consumer debate around yesterday. Is the production cost to this commercial that's gonna run on television, is that really ROI positive against the attention and consideration that it would create? And so I'm not social media out, I'm not digital out. I mentioned my affinity for drive time radio earlier in this interview. I'm off the charts on Super Bowl. I think influencer marketing is incredibly underpriced and or overpriced if you don't know how to do it. We try to stay unemotional but we try to focus on today and we try to focus on brand building and driving sales or results today. I, for a living, pay attention where consumer attention is and I try to figure out where that is and I figure out how to bring value to that attention through written form, audio, video, and pictures. If TikTok's off the board, that attention goes, like we said earlier, to a lot of new places and it will be mine and my agency's job to understand CTV, fast TV, social, traditional, you know, digital 1.0, linear, like where is that gone, where has that attention gone and how do we fill that with compelling messaging to create relevance and consideration for the outcomes that we want. Right now I'm very focused on this thing we call PAC, platforms and culture. Um, We believe the way to win in social is to be great at understanding the platforms, the algorithms, the features, what filters work. What are you able to do on them? Is it a carousel this? Is it a reel over an infeed? And then the culture. What's happening in pop culture? Who are the most interesting musicians? Uh, What meals are emerging? What restaurants? What regions in America? Is fishing culture doing this? You know, what's the summer anthem gonna be? What's like culture? If you do those two things extremely well, the output of the creative you do in social can be affected by that. If you do that well, the consumer insights, both quant and qual, that you can get out of that kind of work really can feed your above the line and brand building. You know, I think brands need to make the decisions for themselves. You know, we're, you know, as an agency, we're always in support of what brands make decisions and we follow that lead. Look, I don't think we can avoid angst or negativity, period. There's angst and negativity in traditional media, there's angst and negativity on websites, there's angst and negativity on literally every platform from TikTok to Facebook to Instagram to Snapchat. I, you know, these platforms are empty and humans are filling them. And I think that there's just a lot of angst in general in society and that's showing up uh, on these platforms just like when there was optimism and euphoria when these platforms showed up 15, 20 years ago. I think that's just the bell curve. I think humans are being exposed. I think that a lot of people have to work on gratitude and accountability and, and putting things into perspective but I'm very empathetic to why there is so much angst. You know, I think as far as brands, if brands are being honest and not hypocrites, they will see angst and negativity on every single platform that they do marketing on and you know, that's up to brands to make decisions on where they want to be and where they don't want to be. In Vayner right now we're being cautious. I think one of the things that we recognize is we don't know the source of the information. So as you can imagine, Garrett, we're trying to be very thoughtful of like copyright and trademark. Those are things we need to be very careful of. So we're kind of quote unquote staying away from it right now other than 
using it internally and trying to get a sense of it, make sure we're not behind the bell curve. You know, I think it's going to make the world more interesting. I think it's going to commoditize some things that is gonna change the landscape, no different than the tractor did for farming. So, but I also think it's gonna help the critical thinkers and the most creative in our industry. I think once you grasp how to be good at AI, um, it's the critical thinking and the creative thinking input that people are gonna put into these algos, into these platforms, into these search bars. And I think it's gonna create really dynamic work. And so I think at first, people are gonna meet it with fear. They did that with the internet, they did that with social media, they did that with the iPhone. But I think over the next three to five years, we'll have a more healthy view on it that I find will be balanced, meaning there'll be some pros and there'll be some cons, like everything. But I think for our industry, I believe the most creative people in our industry are gonna flourish in an AI world because she or he is gonna be able to input so many different creative takes into these AI uh, infrastructures and they're gonna get output that's gonna be meaningful and they're gonna be able to build on that and I, I, I'm actually pretty excited what it's gonna be for the creative class.